I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Join us with questions and answers with Pastor John Carter. Welcome today to the Carter Report. We're dealing with questions and answers today. I'm John Carter. Thank you for sending me your questions. And by the grace of God, I hope I can give you a good answer. Uh, please write to me. The address is on the screen in the United States. Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, that's where I live, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, it's at a beautiful, beautiful place next to the ocean called Terrigal, New South Wales. Write to me there. Okay, we're going to go through with the questions. Questions and answers continued because I've already had a couple of sessions. Okay, here's the first one. What we've done, we've taken the questions off the cards and off the emails and stuff that have been sent to us, and we put them into the computer so we can put them up on the screen. The person starts by quoting Mark chapter 7, verse 15, 18, and 19, and it's talking about eating anything and everything. Uh, come over here to this text, Matthew, Mark... Chapter 7, this is the question that my friend uh, has sent to me. Mark chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus said, There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, these are the things that defile a man. Now look at verse 18 and 19. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive and understand that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated? Notice these words, thus purifying all foods. And many people say, therefore, eat, drink, and be merry, and it is true, because tomorrow you will die. Let me read on. So there's the text that's quoted. It says that Jesus purified all foods, says the questioner. Therefore, we can eat as we wish. Why did you recently do a series with Dr. John Westerdahl about following a certain lifestyle and diet? Because... Under the Christian dispensation, you can eat what you will and God will bless you because Jesus said so, did he? Uh, I want you to notice Mark chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 20 to 23. Uh, Mark 7, verse 20 to 23. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, 
pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Listen carefully. Jesus is not talking about healthful living. Jesus is talking about moral defilement. And Jesus said, from the heart of man comes all the sins of the world and they defile a man. But he's not talking about eating and drinking because if you look at Mark chapter 7 and verse 5, this is in the context of the Jewish ceremonial law. Mark chapter 7 verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according uh, to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Does anybody here uh, do the same thing? Do you wash your hands before you eat? Well, I do. I eat and I wash my hands before I eat. But, but the Pharisees had made this a moral issue and a matter of life and death. And Jesus said, these ceremonial laws don't matter at all. What really matters is what comes from within the heart of man. That's what defiles a man. But other parts of the scriptures tell me that the body is the temple of God. And if you defile the temple of God, God is going to destroy you. Paul said that in the book of Corinthians. Just very recently, I was taken by my wife to the emergency room. Oh. Boy, when you go there, that's an inducement to be very careful what you eat and what you drink because there you see so much sickness, so much awful disease. Do you know what SAD stands for? SAD? It stands for the Standard American Diet. And because the Standard American Diet consists of so much, so much poison, uh, the great healthcare system in the United States of America is breaking down so that it has become one of the worst systems in the world. That is because Christians do not understand this text. This text is talking not about what you should eat or what you should drink, but it's talking about moral defilement. And moral defilement doesn't come from what you put in your mouth. It comes from what comes out of the heart. Next question. I hope that answers that question. I was brought up to believe that I must be perfect uh, to be ready when Jesus returns. I sometimes feel hopeless and depressed, sometimes very angry. Please help me. I empathize. I sympathize. I was brought up in a home in Australia where I was taught that unless I became perfect, uh, I would go to hell. Unless I became absolutely sinless as Jesus was sinless, I could not be saved. And I know people in Australia who have committed suicide because of this idea. This idea has arisen because, quite frankly, my beloved friends, people do not understand the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the blessed gospel of Christ. Would you come over here to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 and 23, dear hearts and gentle people, Romans chapter 3. Let me give you a little summary of the gospel, Romans 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh 
will be declared righteous, justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You'll never be saved by trying to keep the commandments. The law of God was not given so that we might be saved. The law of God was given so that we might see ourselves as sinners and go to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by Christ. Verse 23, look at this text. A lot of folks have no idea what this text means. I want you to get it. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned. That's every one of us. This is past tense. All have sinned, but the text says, and fall short of the glory of God. This is perfect, present, continuous, The Bible says we've all sinned in the past, but every one of us continue to fall short of the glory of God. There are no sinless people. No sinless people. I haven't met any sinless people. I've met some people who think they're sinless. (laughs) But the Bible says we fall short of the glory of God. Why don't we believe the Bible? Look at Romans chapter 3, 23 and 24. 23, 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all imperfect. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. I don't have enough time. The Bible says that we are justified by the grace of God because of what Christ did for us on the cross. The word justify does not mean to make us righteous. It declares that by the grace of God, because of Christ, we are declared righteous. This is what justification by faith is all about. If I come in penitence to Christ, and if I fall at his cross, and if I believe in Christ as my Savior, I am declared righteous, and I am ready for heaven. I'm ready for the second coming. I'm ready for the judgment. You know what it's called? It's called the gospel. You know what the gospel means? It means good news. This is the best news you're ever going to hear, that it doesn't depend upon my works. It depends upon his works. Look at Romans chapter 4. I I just want you to get this. People who teach this idea of sinless perfectionism and hold it over people's heads do it because they do not understand the teachings of the Bible. Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6. But to him who does not work for salvation, but believes on him who justifies who? Come on, come on. Justifies the un- who, who, who's ungodly here? Me. We all are ungodly. None of us are like God. Justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And therefore, the truth is that justify means to declare righteous. When I discovered this truth, I felt so invigorated, so free, so, so wonderfully happy I could jump over the moon because God says, it is my perfection that counts. Uh, I went to Avondale College as a, as a boy to study for the ministry. I was only 16 when I went there. But I went there as a complete legalist because I'd been brought up in a legalistic home. And I, had, I was filled with despair, but I discovered this truth. Now, God does something else. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. This, this tells you what follows on when you understand the truth of the gospel. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Uh, God's going to put a new power in your life. 
We're never going to get home to glory by climbing up the quaking sides of Mount Sinai, my friends. We get home to glory through the cross of Christ, Mount Calvary. And so to say, I, I say to my friend who sent in this that, you know, you, you're just so depressed and you feel so discouraged that you're never going to make it. I want you to know this, by the grace of God, Jesus made it for you. Now, I've written a little book on this, just a little booklet. It's called The Big Issues of the Gospel. I also have a series of talks on the book of Romans. Uh, if you write to me, we want you to have it. This little book is an exposition of the great teachings of the Bible. I preached these sermons many years ago in the great Warunga Church in Sydney, Australia, because there were hundreds of young people there who were getting poisoned uh, by the doctrine uh, of legalism and salvation by works, good works. And so I felt called by God to preach these sermons that saved the lives of hundreds of young Australians. And I wrote down those sermons. It's called The Big Issues of the Gospel. It is not light reading. It is Bible study. But if you are serious, you'll wade through it because you're going to find that your eyes are going to be opened. Here's the next question. You've been a pastor for many years. Amen to that. Only beaten by Methuselah. You've been a pastor for many years. Here is something that troubles me as a parent. Me too. Why do so many young people leave the church? Uh, this is a subject we don't like to talk about, but we need to. 95% of young people from Christian homes who go to secular universities give up on Christ and they leave the church because Christianity is mocked and ridiculed through the vigorous teaching of atheism and neo-Darwinism. These places are the breeding fields of atheism, communism, lawlessness and despair. And unless young people have been prepared, they're going to be shaken to their foundations. They need to know the truth. That's one reason. Another reason why so many young people leave the church, we don't like to talk about this, it's because of legalism in the church. I can think of a fine young man in Sydney, Australia, who was accosted by a person who was super religious. He said, you gotta be perfect, you gotta be this, or else you're gonna go to hell. You gotta be perfect before you can go to heaven. The young man said, if everybody is in heaven, who is in heaven is like you, I don't wanna go there. We can freeze people out of the church through coldness. What is needed, listen to me, the word of an old past, what is needed, my friend, in the church is more love and more grace and more forgiveness. Jesus said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Here's the next question. I've always wondered what is the mark of the beast? Uh, the chapter on the mark of the beast is Revelation chapter 13 and verse 16 and 17. And turn over here. This is going to surprise you what I'm going to say because um, this may even shock some of you. Revelation 13, 16 and 17. He causes all, everybody, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, 
Republicans and Democrats, independents, <laughs> everybody, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads. The hand symbolizes work and the forehead symbolizes the mind where you make decisions. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. In the last days, people are going to be forced into conformity. We live today in the age of conformity. Americans have been famous for their independence of spirit, that we will do what we think we ought to do, and we're not going to be a slave to any man. Hey, that's changing. Hey, that's changed. We now live in an age where people are polarized into camps and they have all become conformists. And so it's not what is right, what is wrong. It is what, 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 what my church says, what, what my party says. That's Mark of the Beast thinking. I've had some folks say to me, don't you know that's offensive? I've said to them, well, I, I, I really want to see you in the kingdom of God. I don't want to see you getting the mark of the beast. And if you continue on in that present course, I'm afraid you will get the mark of the beast, whatever your religion. I'll tell you what the mark of the beast is. It is an act of conscious conformity to a corrupt church and a corrupt state. That is the mark of the beast. I preached a sermon some time back and I, I quoted the great Russian author, one of my favorite authors, Dostoevsky. He's got a, a wonderful section in one of his books on the Grand Inquisitor. Christ comes back to Spain when the Inquisition is running. And the old, and Jesus does healings and people are falling down and they're kissing his feet. You think of it. Christ comes to Spain kissing his feet. But then the Grand Inquisitor turns up and they turn from Christ and they fall down before him. Whatever you say, it's the church. And the Grand Inquisitor has Jesus locked up. And that night he comes to Christ in prison, awaiting to be burnt at the stake the next day. He says this, Christ, the people who today kissed your feet will tomorrow heap up the embers of your fire. People today falling down, kissing the feet of Christ. And the next day, they're burning him. And the Grand Inquisitor said something else. He said, the people who today kissed your feet. This is the expression I left out the first time. He says, the people who today kissed your feet will at the slightest sign from me. Hey, I represent the church. At the slightest sign from me, they're all going to not kiss the feet of Christ any longer. You know what they're going to do? They're going to burn him. So the Grand Inquisitor in Seville, Spain, says to Christ, 
Why did you come back and cause us so much trouble? We were doing very well without you. We've been correcting your errors. You gave to the people freedom of choice. They don't want freedom of choice. They can't handle it. They want to be told what to do. That is true today in Russia. It's true today in Europe. It's true today in Latin America. It is true today in the United States of America. Where people on the whole have stopped thinking and studying scripture and are conforming. Listen to this. Conformity to the state or the church instead of conformity to God is the mark of the beast. And my friend Danny Sheldon of 3ABN has written an a very excellent book, Spiritual Vigilantes. And he talks about some of these things where the law of God has been set aside and everybody has fallen on his face to worship because the Supreme Court said so. So active conformity to the church out of the state Instead of active conformity to the word of God, that is the mark of the beast. Therefore, you and I ought to ask ourselves the question, do I follow scripture or am I a conformist? What we need today desperately, and I don't see too many of them, what we need today are a few more Martin Luthers. Now, I meet lots and lots and lots of people who are big talkers. Oh, goodness. After all, you think to yourself, oh, do I have to listen to this stuff anymore? Uh, we're going to do the talk, talk, talk. As my mother says, they could talk the leg off an iron pot. You know, talk, you use that expression, talking the leg off an iron pot. That takes a bit of talking. And the religious talkers are the worst of the lot. Talk, talk, oh, save me from the talkers. We need people who are not just talkers, but doers like Martin Luther, who can look the Pope in the eye and the Holy Roman Emperor and all the cardinals and all the bishops and all the priests and say, unless I'm convinced and convicted by the plain words of the Bible and reason, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. Uh, God's going to have a people in the last days, like Martin Luther, who will be nonconformists, not crackpots, not wackos, not fanatics, but people with fire in their bellies and who've got conviction. And there are some. But not doesn't seem to me that doesn't, doesn't seem to be a huge number. So the mark of the beast is willful conformity. Uh, why do you strongly here's the next question, question five. Why do you strongly believe in the Bible? Well, I wasn't brought up in the United States of America and I love America. 
I was brought up in Australia, and Australia and America very similar in some ways. They're both very wealthy countries. But Australians are not too much into religion. They think that most people who seem to be into religion are not really sincere. And they say it doesn't seem to make any difference in their lives. And because I was brought up in a secular country, I was forced to search for reasons to believe. And so I studied uh, archaeology and I saw the tremendous evidence why a thinking person can believe. I don't believe because I just want to believe. I believe that faith must rest on evidence. If it doesn't rest on evidence, it's fantasy and silliness. So I studied archaeology. And then in more recent times, I've studied astronomy. And I've discovered that the universe is marvelously fine-tuned for life. Uh, amazing evidence. I'm going to present this in the Philippines. It's called the Anthropic Principle. They would never have heard it before. Most Christians in this part of the world have never heard it either. But any great scientist will tell you this. Even if he doesn't believe in God, there is marvellous evidence to believe in God from astronomy. Uh, then from prophecy, I believe that the Bible is a book of prophecy. It has been my privilege to preach the prophecies before even millions of atheists and unbelievers and see them come to Christ. Prophecy shows that the Bible is true. The greatest evidence for the Bible is Christ himself. He's so great and he's so good that nobody could have thought him up. The greatest evidence for Christianity is not prophecy or archaeology or astronomy. It's the person of Christ. He's so good. And then there is, of course, and this is somewhat subjective, so we put it in last, it is personal experience. When you come to know God, you can have a personal experience with God. Somebody said to Billy Graham, Dr. Graham, don't you know that God is dead? And Dr. Graham said he can't be because I spoke to him this morning. Now, we're not talking, he's not talking about a loud voice hitting him in the ear. But those who are believers know what I'm talking about, personal experience. If you want to know what an apple tastes like, don't go and read a book about the apple, bite the apple. You see? Now, here's the next question. Question six. <laughs> what does it mean that the Bible is inspired? This is a question of controversy in many circles in uh, the evangelical movement in America. I believe this. God moved upon the hearts and the minds of the prophets. He did not tell them the words to say. He wrote down the revelation of God in their own words. Therefore, inspiration is the word of God God in the words of men. And I am absolutely convinced that this is the truthful word of God. People say, what translation? I say to them, I don't care. Just start reading. Read it. Read the Bible for 30 minutes a day and preferably read it out loud. And if you will do this, 
A wonderful miracle is going to happen in your life. The miracle of regeneration and rebirth, where you will become a brand new person going home to the kingdom of God. Now, we'll be back very soon and we will pick up where we left off and we will answer your questions from the word of God. Thank you for tuning our way today and may God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.